0: This is the Nearside Low Podcast, brought to you by Missouri Water Polo. For all highlights, scores, and updates, please visit www.mowaterpolo.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes, and follow us on Twitter at Nearside Low. And here we are, Nearside Low Podcast. This is Charlie. This is Ray. And we are here... Uh, with a special guest from none other than USA water polo um, and that is Joe Linehan and I'm, I'm pronouncing that right right Joe
1: that is that is correct yes
0: okay well welcome we're glad to have you thank um, you very and uh, as we always do with all of our guests um, um, I was actually reading a little bit about you on the USA water polo website someday maybe I'll make it there um, but <laughs> okay, uh, okay. you've got a pretty extensive history in uh, water polo creating clubs so on and so forth so Um, if you wouldn't mind touching on maybe for a minute or two, like how you got involved in the sport in the first place and, um, where you're at now and what you're doing.
1: Yeah, I swam a little bit of summer league, but I was scared of it. And I actually uh, was able to, uh, talk my way onto a 10 and over water pole group that, that, that my brother was playing on. And I was nine and that's how I kind of got into aquatics. And then I started swimming. I actually had to learn how to dive and do a flip turn before my first swim practice. So, um, Um, so I grew up in, yeah, in San Antonio, I swam and played water polo. I was a pretty good swimmer. I got to the senior level national for swimming. I made the youth national team as a kid for water polo. Um, that was a long time ago, but that was back whenever it was just like a list of, of, of like, you know, kind of 20 guys. Right. And, um, and then I didn't really know about kind of going off and playing on the east coast or west coast i didn't have the money to go out to california to go play so i swam at texas a&m and i ended up playing on their collegiate club team and i was actually their coach as well so i ended up being a player coach so i i I organized my first cross-country trip as an 18 year old in the fall of my freshman year i don't know how i did it so
0: texas born and raised and it sounds like Mm -hmm. you i mean and you're still in texas right now right
1: correct correct
0: okay so you you uh an a&m obviously is in texas so
1: um
0: so coaching and playing at the college level that's exciting what else
1: and then actually after i did that i went and started a youth club and down in down in san antonio but uh then i had an opportunity to go coach at the u.s merchant marine academy on the east coast back in the late 90s so that was a division three school um ncaa division three school i was 23 years old um i i packed up the car and drove up to Long Island, New York.
0: And now, was that was that something that you like? You just found out about through word of mouth and applied for, or somebody yeah. up there knew you, or
1: I found out through Dan Sheridan, and okay. he kind of and he kind of passed along. I got to know him because we were able to start a CWPA division down in Texas back in the mid nineties. And then I just had the opportunity and I said, yeah, 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 let's go. So I lived in New York for, for, for five years and coached for five seasons. I was the head water pole coach, the assistant swim coach at, at the school. Um, but by the time I left, we were the only team in the history of, of the Division three uh, U.S. Merchant Marine Academy that beat the Air Force Academy in any team uh, sport ever. <laughs> so we did that my last year there. But while I was there, I started doing a youth team and we had six kids at the first uh, practice. And we, uh, a year later, we had 125 kids.
0: And I saw what was the, like, so it looks like, and I, and we can touch on this more, but you started a club, like a club, like youth group team up there. And then it looked like in Texas, you, you were involved as like club director and multiple, multiple teams. Yeah. So,
1: so, so, so what I did, so I was up there and I didn't want to really start a youth team kind of, kind of somebody had to talk me into it. And I was like, Oh no, I'm a college coach. I I, I don't want to do this. And uh, was it, um, but I liked it and I enjoyed it. And we started doing camps back in Texas. And I realized that there was a need for, for more youth water polo back in Texas. So I moved to Houston and at the beginning of 2003, we started with 30 kids, the first practice. Um, and we had about 400 kids in the club about four years later. So, Okay. And then at, in 2009, I kind of I kind of moved up to uh, North Texas and started some youth water polo there, and we started off with yeah with basically yeah with basically a, a handful of kids, and now there's seven clubs up in North Texas. There's probably about a thousand kids playing club water polo. So.
0: Well, and so I guess, Ray, and I, I'll just kind of lead into like what you're doing now with USA Polo, but yeah. you, having read your like profile and just hearing you talk, I mean, you are a builder. It sounds like you've built a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, um, and I think I'm that kind of maybe, maybe ties into what, Um, what USA water polo like has you like, what is your official title with USA water polo? My
1: official title is the Texas, uh, development manager or Texas manager. But I mean, I work sports growth. So I work with people outside of Texas, obviously in Texas kind of as well. So back in, back in 2016, there was a big donation to kind of that was Texas specific to grow water polo kind of in Texas. So I went to work on a part-time basis so I was a zone chair. I've been a like the zone head referee. Um, I've worn a thousand different hats at, at like kind of as we all do. And uh, was it, so they asked me to do it. So I was like, okay. But a year later I was like, okay, I think I'm going to get out from uh, underneath my club that I was running. I, I, I was a club director for, for North Texas thunder. I don't know if y'all played them or not.
0: I recognize, um, I mean, I recognize the name from J, from junior Olympics.
1: Yeah. And uh, was it? um So that was about a 300 person club up in North Texas. And, was it I stepped aside and let the other people k- k- kind of run it, and then I just went and, yeah, and started focusing just on uh, like just a couple things. We wanted to get a lot more high schools playing. We wanted to get through the, the UAL sanctioned uh, k- kind of the finish line and get a lot more k- just uh, just clubs playing and trying to go to JOs and doing because at the time there was probably only three or four teams playing or or like playing at that level to go to JOs. So in this past in 2019, we had 12 different clubs go to JOS with about 45 kind of different teams. So there you go.
2: Yeah. So Joe, I mean, part of the reason why we wanted to invite you on today was just because I, I, I personally have been really impressed with the story coming out of Texas. I mean, sure. clearly you've just outlined a little bit um, the the amount of growth that's happened there in the last decade or so um, is really something that I think everywhere across the country can can learn from, and particularly. Um, I mean, we're, we're here in the Midwest, but even at other pockets throughout the country, I mean, there's areas ripe for water polo growth. And I think, uh, learning from your story is something that, um, I, I, think more people could, could learn from and that, uh, we'd like to pass along. So, um, so with that, with that, with that in mind, so, um, tell us a little bit about the, the landscape in Texas, maybe, um, 2005 or even 2010. Um, I mean, it, Texas is a huge state, but water polo is really only being played in prim- primarily Houston. Is that correct? It
1: was. It was about ten years ago, so let's just say two thousand nine. There was, um, it was there was only one youth team in Texas, and it was the Houston Water Polo Club. They would send out about seven or eight teams out to JOS, and it was that there was about forty high schools, kind of kind of playing total. Um, now there are probably twenty five different youth clubs in Texas of which 12 to 13 will like send kids out to JOs um, and teams. And now there's about 160 schools playing high school water
2: polo. Wow. So, so let's it takes let's, a look though.
1: It takes a look. Yeah. There's a lot of people involved
2: here. So yeah, yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit through that process. So, I mean, you've quadrupled the number of high school teams yep. you you've branched out to other areas of Texas, mm-hmm. I, I guess from the beginning, what, what, was the first thing you guys started doing that when you guys decided hey maybe we can grow water polo what, what were some of the first steps that you guys um that you could put into action to try and start that growth
1: so the first thing that we did here in texas was um it was a decision by the high school coaches to move their season from the fall yeah, to the spring and the reason that that happened was in texas it is a really long high school swim season so back way back in the day whenever i swam um, in texas no one had a high school swim meet or practice, yeah, before November one. But now the swim coaches start in late August, and the swim championships are in, are in the middle of
0: uh, of February.
1: It just oh, got wow. earlier and earlier and earlier. Is, is, and, it, earlier. It,
0: it, and that was just a decision. <laughs> I mean, I like we have Missouri State High School Athletic. I'm, I'm assuming it was an Athletic Activities Association. The swim coaches kind of I don't
1: know who did it. They just they just started just going a little bit earlier, a little bit earlier, okay. just over yeah, yeah, just over time. And the problem with keeping it in the fall at the time was teams were dropping the sport and no one was adding because it was taken away from their swim season. Okay. So they so we moved to the spring with no conflicts with high school swimming, and that was the biggest thing is we didn't want any conflicts. Because that was hard because there was just Like, yeah, just people did not want and that just that was the biggest driving factor of teams uh, of like uh, of uh, of like teams coming on. We had to find a time frame that worked best. Yeah, for growth. And then we made it as easy as possible for teams to play. So we basically said, do you want to play two weeks or two months? It's up to you. So um, we had a lot of teams that started and all they did was three or four practices and played one tournament. And that's it the first year. Then they did a a little bit more the second year, a little bit more the third, fourth. And then eventually it was five days a week practice and playing for two and a half months. And they were trying to go to state and such like this. Um, We like, I would, I'd go around and, um, and basically just like find old caps and find old balls and just distribute. Yeah. Just between the, like the the brand new team. Like I was given an example on the Midwest zone call of Flowermont high school. They literally played with, Borrowed caps and borrowed balls and tables on the side because they be, yeah, because they didn't have goals. Five years later, they won the state championship. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, it's just, I mean, that's just, I mean, it's like, now, like you it, do what you it, can do. So
0: Was all this, like, was all this within the capacity of you working for USA Water Polo or this was before that? You just this kind was, of wanted sure, to grow this.
1: This was before that. This was probably, this was when I was wearing the zone chair hat.
0: Okay. Okay. So okay, you're just and, really shooting for growth at the and time.
1: I, I, and I was and I was like, great. If we get more high school teams playing, yes, they're not affiliated with USA Waterpolo, but if we get more high school teams playing, then it's going to be more USA Waterpolo people and more USA Waterpolo clubs. And and just getting the different club teams to promote the high school growth and really work together, uh, k- k- kind of with the high schools, because then that means that those kids are going to have to play somewhere in the summer. They just so, get done with their high school, like they just get done with their spring season. They have to go play, they they're gonna want to go play somewhere. So
0: what was the um, what was the I guess I'll use the phrase tipping point? What was the tipping point where you were like, Okay, this is like this is working? Like you're you're noticing numbers are going up. I mean, was there a point where you and you know the people that have been working on this kind of sat back and said, Oh, wow, look like look what we've done. Well,
1: I mean, I mean, so I moved up to, to North Texas in the spring of 2009. We had three high schools that had played previously, and then this this was the first year that we did a spring like a spring season that 2008, 2009 school year, and we went from three schools to 16 schools. And that, and that was just me just making it as easy as possible for everybody. because, because nobody kind of knew how to host uh, like a big old tournament. They right. didn't know how to work clocks. They didn't know how to do kind of anything. We had to get referees, everything. And then, but I just saw, okay, if we can go from three to 16, there's yeah, there's no reason that we can't go from, from, uh, from 16 to 30 or 30 to 50. Right. And flies. now there's about 50 plus schools up in North Texas playing. Wow. So, I mean, um, and then, after a couple of years, everybody was kind of on the same page. Like <laughs> there was a little bit of time. Whenever we went to the spring, the, the diehard like kind of kind of kind of Houston coaches, a couple of them did not like it at all. Hmm. And there was a there was two state championships for two years. It, and it was called the civil war. That's what we call it. Right. So, um, and people did not like each other. People were not talking to each other. Finally, 2011 and 2012, everybody came together. Um, the whole coaches uh, association kind of was revamped and it was a lot more professional. And then the UAL approached us and said, Hey, do you want to maybe have a oh, water polo be the next, uh, yeah, the next sanctioned sport? We're like, sure. This was in 2012. Then it took another eight years. <laughs> so, mm. and that's just and that and that and that's just kind of like the process. Yeah, yeah, that one. But that was like that was the that was the tipping point right there.
2: Yeah. So, so, Joe, talk a little bit about where all these these kids were coming from. I mean, particularly um, early on, when you were talking about some kids were playing for two weeks, others were playing for two months. Um, yeah. It was I mean, was this mainly like swim coaches that were yeah. getting their kids playing? Wait, Where were you getting all these kids?
1: So um, we would primarily go to swim coaches because we just kind of we kind of marketed it as an extension of their swim season. Does that make sense? So it was um, swim coaches in the spring here after they're after they're done with their championships. They have a couple uh, like kind of choices. The the uh, like the kids can just do a study hall or the kids can swim. We wanted to give them a third choice. You can go play water polo and it's fun. It's different and it keeps your kids involved. And then we also kind of, k- kind of packaged it. You have yeah, the swim coach has market this and go get those backup tight ends and go get those backup power forges and go get those kids from the other sports and bring them to the pool. They can make great sprinters and yeah. you can, and yeah. And then you can use water pole to grow your swim team. And we actually had a story in, yeah. In, uh, in North Texas called Marcus high school where they had 35 total kids. And then they added water polo. And then four years later, yeah, they had 85 total kids on their on their swim team, and 65 of which play water polo. I mean, it, I mean, it more than doubled, and I mean, it was it was incredible that well, you get out the growth. So a lot of swim coaches, you know, they're like, no, I don't want to do water polo. I mean, but we just embraced and said, no, there's yeah, it's like yeah, it's like there's different ways to do it. And the coaches that that really care about their kids and want to do something different, they were very open you yeah, get doing warpole and we we made sure you know whenever they went to tournaments they weren't going to be playing that team that was playing for, for like like you know 10 years they played other new teams we made sure of it so they felt like oh I'm competitive this is fun we want to come back the next weekend like I like there was a team called St. Mark's I'm sure they have you guys heard of St. Mark's
0: I have not.
1: No, I yeah, 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 so they're one of the powerhouses they've won five at like yeah, just out of the last six state championships here in Texas. And they were the team that had been playing for years and years and years and they won like 20 straight kind of North Texas region champs. Um the first year that I started, I had them play only two other teams. That's it. And then then yeah, and then the coach kind of came up to me and goes, "Joe, why am I just playing Southlake and Denton?" I'm like, "Well, because they're used to you beating the crap out of them." I don't want you to go play these guys or this brand new team and beat them 30 to nothing. And then they don't come back the next weekend. Right. So it's just, it's, yeah, it's just getting everybody on the, like just on the same page and making it as easy as possible. And plus we also, yeah, love, yeah like we also encouraged this concept of uh, consolidated teams and co-ed teams. Cause a lot of like a, a lot of teams would say, well, I don't have enough boys or I don't have enough girls. And I go, okay, well, can you do a co-ed team? If they can't do a co team, can you do a consolidated team kind of within your school district? Now, if they were consolidated in co-ed, they couldn't play in districts, regions or state, but they could play in in all the tournaments. And we and then we had a region consolidated championship in each of our regions in Texas. So everybody had a championship to go to. And then a lot of teams kind of would play that for uh, like like, you know, one or two years. And then and then eventually they'd have their own team. so
2: so so joe talk a little bit about i mean so that that's awesome about how getting the swim coaches to buy in is something that i think we here in other parts of the country need to do a a little bit better job of of doing talk a little bit about the the financing as well i I think is particularly in areas around here we we're always concerned about how are we gonna pay for the pool time to add add these new programs how are we going to pay for the coaching um, if we want school districts to add the program, the schools are going to have to come up with the budget to do it. Talk yeah. a little bit about how you approach the, the financial concerns um, with growing the sport.
1: OK, so I know that the sport is a sanctioned sport in Missouri. Right. So, so, so it's a little bit different. So adding a sport in Missouri as a as a varsity sport is going to be different than what we were going through at like, just as far as just getting a team to play as like a quote unquote, high school club, you know? Um, And then it was being run out of a booster club checkbook. Yeah, like the like type thing. Um, So as far as that was concerned, we would again, make it as simple as possible. We would waive entry fees. We would get uh, team balls, and then we then we get them some old caps to make it easy for that first year. And then they would use a little bit of money from their swim team budget to to maybe cover a, like, a, like 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 a, a little bit of cost. That first year, they didn't want to really spend a, a lot of money, but then they liked it. Then they would form a water pole booster group, and then they would start doing k- k- kind of the fundraising for the next year.
2: Okay, and then. And- like,
1: and like and like to use that they, uh, to use that flower mount kind of example, they started off and they didn't charge their kids at all, like yeah, like the first year. And then now they charge their kids almost three hundred dollars a season.
2: So. Got it. So now, so now, as waterpolo water polo is continuing to grow, mm-hmm. I feel like you're probably having more of these conversations with athletic directors yeah, yeah. about about that. Tell me a little bit about how the, how those conversations are going. Some of the some of the um, successes or some of the struggles you've seen in trying to talk to them.
1: So as far as the budget is, yeah, like the budget question for the athletic directors, we are we we have sold our sport as it's not that expensive to add, yeah, relative to lacrosse and you know kind of, yeah just like you know like even bowling or golf or hockey and yeah and stuff like that. So um, if you already have a pool or you already have an affiliation with a local pool, all it is is just extending that contract because it's yeah, because you're going to play outside the swim season. Um, or if, or if you have a pool, there are, yeah, I love the yeah, like there is no swim. Like yeah, there is no cost. And then we've been able to work with some vendors to give them some good deals for caps, balls, goals, kind of, yeah, just kind of like a, like a high school starter set. And then the biggest issue with us is finding a coach and paying them. Because it's not, because here in Texas, it's, there are no part-time coaches that you have to be a full-time employee of a school district. Okay. So, and so like, so that could be a teacher or, or a principal or whatever, but so it's finding that position. That's the hardest thing. And that's, I mean, so that is a big deal for like the athletic directors and the admin. So all the other things like, like you get, like the few thousand dollars it's, yeah, it's going to take to do the actual sport is really not that much. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. But, um, and it, so t- so a couple a couple of questions. So one, how much are the families at that point uh, involved with the conversations with the athletic directors? I mean, are the athletic directors seeing like, hey, we've got a we've got a big demand here that um, is is something that we definitely need to pursue, and that's um, I guess putting a little bit more pressure on the athletic directors, or is it um, kind of from outside? Of uh, families?
1: Well, I mean, no, it's, it's probably a combination of both. So, you know, I like, I will go and I'm going around and talking to the various kind of the athletic directors and the swim coaches and everybody has a different situation. So who's the coach? So do you have an assistant swim coach? Do you already have a pool? So, so do you run a pool? But I mean, that's for the new teams. All right. So, but for the, um, teams that are already playing, probably 95% of them are going to keep playing. Okay. I mean, there is no question k- k- kind of about that. And if they don't, those parents and are going to be very upset. So, um, but we do have a lot of parents that have that kid that plays club water polo year round. And they haven't really had an opportunity to get a play like a whole lot of high school. They are going in kind of lobbying. They are, they are giving me that phone number and I'm, and I'm calling that athletic director just to tell them and take down those
0: roadblocks. So, so, <clears throat> So I just want to clarify: water polo is state, san- like high school state sanctioned in Texas. And but just because it's state sanctioned doesn't mean that a school obviously wants to field a team. And so the, yeah. I guess our goal or your goal right now is you're you're trying to get more high schools, yeah, athletic sure. directors to add the sport. And it, I'm assuming it's a little bit easier though now that it has been state sanctioned. Yes. Um. uh, uh Maybe not.
1: It's to be determined with the whole COVID thing. But so. Okay. It just got sanctioned in October of 2019.
0: Okay. All right. That
1: was when it was officially sanctioned starting in fall of 2021.
0: So what is the, uh, what's the pool situation like down there? Uh, I feel like, you know, you come to St. Louis, just about every high school and I, what uh, Chesterfield, like the county and, and, we, we all generally have a six-lane shallow-deep pool. Some some places are building bigger pools right now, but um, I feel like the situation when we go up to Chicago, there's a the facilities are a little bit nicer, a little bit bigger. I mean, is what is the expectation that every high school in Texas just about has a pool? Um, are they six-lane shallow-deep? Are they bigger than that? Um, are they outdoors, indoors? What, what's um, that? What's that? They're look all
1: like? they're all they're all pretty much uh, like like the indoor pools, okay. and most there are 450 high school swim teams in Texas and probably the majority of them have their own facility. And, and I say their own facility that is either um, a facility on campus or a shared school district kind of facility where like okay. you know, three, four, five high schools are, are kind of sharing of like a 50 right. meter pool. So um, so the, the pools are and it wasn't that nice five, 10 years ago there's been a lot of building pools over the last five, 10 years. Um, like to give you, there's this, uh, like, you know, have y'all ever heard of the Viper Pigeons? Yes.
2: Yeah. So
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, everybody, everybody knows the about <laughs> yeah. There, Yeah. So they're a club down in Houston and their head coach is Scott Slay. And he, and yeah. And he used to coach down at, at a high school called Foster high school. And he had to go to a middle school that had a pool. And then over the course of like the three or four years, kind of that it was there. Now every school, every middle school and every high school has their own um, light like pool now. Like um, we got a little kind of water pool, kind of started down in the Rio Grande Valley, kind of which is the tip of Texas. And there was this one, there was this one school that had five high schools, yeah, like just playing at a at a city pool. And now a school district has built them four different like pools now. So, um, it's just, I mean, it's just, it's just building and there, we are getting a lot of pools and a lot of access pre COVID. Okay. And right now the, like the school district pools are not even open for the club teams right now. So, but, um, but like, so as long as they have a pool, again, there's 450 swim teams again, kind of the majority kind of have them. Our goal, our goal originally was to get about 225 schools kind of playing. But now with the COVID, there's some teams that are like, ah, we may have waited like, yeah, like a year to start. So our goal is about 150 to 200 UIL teams. We're also um, – the private and parochial schools are not playing within the UIL except for Straight Jesuit and Tim Right. And then, and then we have Dallas Jesuit. So those are only two private schools in Texas that play within the UIL. But they're separate, like, kind of, kind of private school leagues. And um, – uh, was it? Um, we're setting up kind of, kind of their own uh, championships, starting in the fall of 2021 as well, as well as some, um, as well as some local homeschool leagues as well. So,
2: okay. So I wanted to circle back a little bit. So you talked a little bit about the challenges of re- recruiting coaches and referees. Uh, tell, yeah. tell us a little bit more about how you, how you've gone about doing that and making sure that these programs that are adding water polo have people to coach them and and uh referee them
1: so a lot of i mean all right so i'm gonna tell a story um i was talking to a coach from the western part of our country and uh was it um and she she called me up and go how did you get high school going so quickly in north texas so i told her the story and then a year later i go so so how's high school waterfall in your area and then and, yeah, and then she looked at me and goes, You know what, Joe? I just didn't want to deal with that much bad water pole. I mean, you have to deal with some bad water pole because it, it'll eventually turn into good water pole, but it's the same thing. You have to deal with some bad coaching, and then you're going to, and then, and then kind of hopefully it's going to turn into, uh, into some good coaching as yeah, as well as, as the referee size. So, um, I mean, we would take anything, anybody, at, as long as they passed a background check, refs. Coach, um, kids that would graduate kind of high school and they would stay in town. They, yeah, uh, they had three options, coach, ref, or coach and ref. We didn't really give them a choice. I, I mean, I, I just, I, I, I just went forward. We had kids that would um, be 18s, like the yeah, like, like the 18 and others, and they'd be refereeing like, like the 14s and 12s. I mean, if you don't have enough, but then a lot of those kids, now have gone to college and played, and then they've come back, and now they're coaches and refs again. So we just created as many. I mean, I like I got a coach that was basically um, that like, you, you know, like the head guard at the pool. He played a little bit of high school water polo, and we had a huge splash ball, and it was myself and my wife, and we had 45 kids at the pool. And I go, Daniel, we need some help. Uh-huh. And, and I go, I will pay you for it. I don't care what you do with your job, but we, so he double dipped for, for that one night. And then he started coaching. And now eventually we found out that he still had a couple of years of, of the eligibility left. And he went and played for two years out at Whittier. And then he came back and now he's teaching and coaching high school uh, uh, and coaching high school water polo down in Houston. And he started his own club down in Houston. Wow, cool. So, I mean, I mean, we have a ton of those stories. We've gotten parents that have a little bit of water polo experience. And and the key is you don't start these coaches off going five or six days a week. Hey, guys, so uh, can you come out and coach once a week? And then you do that for a season, and then you add a, a kind of a, like, like, yeah, like the twice a week. I'll, I'll allow them to learn. Allow them to watch. Uh, allow them to yell at the pool, and they don't know what they're doing. That's okay because – I like back in 2003, the, yeah my first year down in Houston, I did everything. I coached every practice I, uh, like, and I coached all the games and my, and my coaches, they were supportive, but then they started not wanting to do anything. And I realized, wait a minute, I have to give them that opportunity to go. you, you, you gotta to go coach. I was just getting in the way. So I backed off and I let them coach uh, practices games, our local game days, our tournaments eventually it got to the point where I was just coaching like a couple of practices and I just started coaching the coaches uh kind of within my clubs because if you don't give them that opportunity to grow and do it that they're they're going to go find something else to do
0: so. right right um okay so uh you know fingers crossed that things go back to relative normal after yep. um after covid so where is uh, where's Texas headed with water polo? Are you guys going to have, I mean, I, I don't know how it's all set up, but you know, in the next 10 years, I mean, are we talking 200 teams and multiple divisions, you know, and, and different state titles um, Like, where, where do you think we're headed for high school? Or yeah. Clubs? For, well, I guess for, both. Yeah, might for, as well just talk, I mean, hit on both.
1: So, so let's just start with high school. Our hope is to have about 150 to 200 teams play in the UIL in the fall of, of 2021. Okay, and that is all in one division. Eventually, at like, and our goal is to get as close to 450 teams playing as possible. Now, that's going to be over the course of five, ten years, and right, at, right. and like, and and as we grow, yes, we're going to have the different divisions based off of school size and yeah, yeah and such. So that's our, that's our goal on the high school, end. and also eventually have the official like taps and SBC. Those are the local private and parochial leagues, but we are, USA Water Bowl is working with the, with the coaches association. You get a sponsor of those state champions until they get enough of their own teams to, to kind of split off and kind of have their own championship. So in three or four years, our goal is to have everybody has their own championship official state sanctioned championship. So that's on the high school side. And then on the club side, our biggest thing is we want to, just keep pushing and get as many clubs playing kind of as possible. Because I coached the Houston water Pool club back in the, uh, in the two thousands and it was one club and we had nobody to play. Okay. And that didn't really make sense. We had a girls our 18 and under girls team. Yeah. yeah, yeah we're entering masters tournaments, men's tournaments. Uh, master's tournaments because we had nobody to play. And so we built our own leagues, a ton of game days and just created games, 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 games. And, uh, and then now we have a ton more clubs. So now throughout the fall or I'm sorry. Yeah. Just kind of, kind of throughout the summer and fall every weekend, there's a tournament or game day. And the game days are those local competitions. And the tournaments are when everybody comes together from around the state or teams come in from out of state to go play. So it's, we we have kids that play thirty to thirty five games in high school and then they play another about uh a, a, like another about hundred and fifty games outside of the, of the of high school season. So it's Great just getting them game, games games games.
0: Cal, Cali better look out. I mean, this could be you know the little brother finally hits puberty and gets a little bit bigger than the big brother. Uh, Give us, <laughs> you you know guys this, got in and out burger down there. <laughs> we actually
1: we do. We do. We do have an in-out burger, and uh, was it and 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 I swear the kids say it tastes better in California. So there you go. Uh, wow.
2: <laughs> but uh, that, that yeah. won't stop Charlie and I for coming from coming down there. So
1: okay, but uh, but we. I mean, it's going to take time. It's still going to take time. I mean, our biggest challenge kind of right now is the coaches that are going to be coaching high school and these new clubs. They may not as of right now, they may not have done a water pole at all. So it's education, education, and ed- education. It's getting out there and doing the, this is a water polo ball clinic. And, um, and just, this is your basic practice and really helping these people out and having some local support, either a local club that is supporting the high schools or, or myself. And so we're planning, <laughs> we were planning on doing a little bit more extensive, but we are going to be doing, Doing a ton of in-person clinics and a ton of of the online kind of webinars and yeah, I look at and such. I mean, I've got a lot more tech savvy. Yeah, the last three four months. So
2: awesome. So uh, as we get ready to wrap this up, I guess I have one comment and then one question. One one thing that really um, I, I find interesting about your story is how how you took it primarily at the high school level and uh, grew it from some of these swim clubs. I mean, I think across the country, you often hear about splash ball, which is obviously a, a, a really important helping to grow the sport as well. But um, I think in some places there's concern about having the, the coaches and availability to do that um, just as much, if not more than at the high school level. So I, I think that um, the, the fact that you were able to grow it in high school is uh, something that's really unique and really cool. Um, my, my question that I wanted to end with was um, so Obviously, now you're you're working for USA Water Polo, primarily in Texas, but across the country. For those of us in other areas of the country, what are some of your takeaways or some of your suggestions for uh, people wanting to grow the sport elsewhere?
1: Uh, just get creative, and kind of just 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 try to put yourself in that administrator's uh, like kind of mindset and go, what are they really looking for, and how can I take down the, like the brick wall before I even go have that even go have that conversation um, in Missouri. Right. Um, I think there's a, there's one high school team that plays over in Kansas city. Right. Right. Can you get that guy to get his buddies to just do a little tiny league for a year or two? They don't have to go across country or, or like, you know, drive the drive to three, four hours, but just start. And, like, they have a Kansas City championship. They don't drive to St. Louis for the state championship, but at least they start. And so you have that one team that is now traveling, and then in two years, like, you have three or four teams. And then then maybe kind of do the same thing in Columbus. You know, just, like, encourage some local participation. Again, make it as simple as possible. I know using the Missouri State Association is going to be a little bit harder than just kind of – doing it on your own but that would be the biggest thing that i would see and then what about getting girls kind of kind of high school water polo
2: right and that's that's uh we've got a couple of people right now that are really trying to build that in the st louis area but um that's that's one of our goals as well and i i'd love to see to see happen
1: and how many swim teams are are in missouri for high school swim teams
2: Oh, I, I'd say there's got to be
0: eighty plus, hundred plus. I mean, uh, you know, I want to say there were probably seventy or eighty when I was in high school, and they've just officially moved. Uh, uh, we were all one division until about two years ago, and now they've they've changed it to kind of a, a division one, division two because they've got they've got so many. So, I mean, that, that's the you know, I mean, swim teams. I think there's there is a there's a, a plethora of them. So, um, I mean, we, and.
1: Uh, have you, do you have, or so do you guys kind of work well with the swim coaches or not work well with the swim coaches?
0: Well, it, it you know, I it totally de- well, I can see I the smiles. I can see It, so it, it totally you depends. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of one of those, I think at the high school level, the high school swim coaches are great. Um, but obviously, and I'm sure Texas does, we've got, we've got a big club swimming presence in Kansas City and St. Louis. And, you know, I mean, from my perspective, you know, a, a former swim coach that I know who I think is a phenomenal swim coach. He was always his philosophy was, you know, I'm glad you guys are playing water polo because at the end of the day, you're in the water swimming back and forth. So it's yeah. going to help your swimming ability regardless. And and I always try and play it for kids is it's, a, you know, if you swim, you're around great, but this is it's a great break. I've said, you know, nope. you don't want to get burned out. I said, you're going to use different muscles. And it's, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of fun to throw things in, into a goal. Um, and so, you know, that that's something that I feel like maybe the um, swim coaches have come around a little bit more to in the past couple of years than they were back in the 90s when I was when I was playing, but
2: um, I, I don't know, Ray, if you have any thoughts on that. No, I mean, I, it's, it's, as kind of sad. I mean, so I feel like some swim coaches, I mean, do a pretty good job of supporting water polo, but um, we, we've run into some problems with some yeah. of the club club programs about um, wanting their kids just to, to swim club all the time. So um, it's, it's, and that's why I've been really interested in hearing your story just because um, I, I think, and in, in when we talked last week, I, I really liked your point about how, I mean, even in Texas or um, in some of these other states that have really good swimming times, a lot of those kids who are on the podiums are also water polo athletes. So.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, we, yes, we were able to get a lot of high school kids playing, but we also really focused on the 14s, 12s, and younger kids. So, I mean, uh, whenever I first kind of moved to Dallas, I go, okay, The high school season is going to be in the spring. And then we're also going to do an eighth grade and sixth grade in younger league as well. And then the coaches kind of looked at me and goes, who's going to play? I go, I don't know. And I go, but we're going to make it look good to the parents. And we had refs and whites. We had clocks out. We had kids that were playing on multiple teams because kids, because we just didn't kind kind of have numbers, but it looked like real water polo. And it looked, and it wasn't thrown together, and that's, and that's the biggest thing. And now, and now, and now, we have clubs that have all-day events just for their younger kids. We had 25 teams in a Dare to Dream event in Houston. That was all the, that that was uh, all 12 and under teams this past uh, January. And we are pushing the splash ball and get as many kids playing as possible and growing your club because if you can get those kids starting in elementary school. Or even like like in like you know kind of, kind of the sixth and seventh grade, they start before they go and kind of join the year-round swim team. They're hooked before, and, the, and they're and they're hooked kind of before they go become the backup power forward or the backup tight end, you know. So and then they are the ones that are sold for life, and they're also the ones that end up being your best players because they've been playing the longest. So,
0: I so, hey, Right. That sounds kind of like a Michael Kreinkamp, Camp. I know. <laughs> He He's started in sixth or fifth grade. Yeah, yeah. So, um, all right. Um, so, uh, Ray, you got anything else you want to add? I do not. No. All righty, Joe. We want to thank you for coming on the podcast and wish you the best of luck. If you want to move here to Missouri and help um, spread the wealth, we would uh, we'd be happy to have you.
1: Actually, I'm moving to San Antonio as we speak. Oh, so there, okay. Uh,
2: all right. So,
1: um, uh, I am I, moving back home. So, we're going to build it up in San Antonio, kind of a little bit now. So, okay,
0: awesome. I
1: do appreciate, it, guys.
0: All right, this is the Nearside Low Podcast. This is
2: Charlie. This is Ray. Thank you.